0: Good evening, everyone. This is uh, always, always nervous. I don't know why. I was talking to my wife on the way in, and she was saying, you know, in my last church, I had some of the most critical people on the planet in my church. She said, you could preach to those people. You can preach to anybody. (laughs) So I guess I'm not going to worry about it too much tonight. I do have uh, have some things I want to share with you. Number one, I have a couple things on my heart I want to share since I have the opportunity. First of all, I want to thank Brother Padillo. You know, I was thinking this afternoon, I was sitting there thinking, you know what, I don't know if I've ever seen him miss church on for anything other than just being deathly ill. He's always here. He's always in tune. He's always here early prepared. Praise the Lord for people like that. Amen? Uh, I just appreciate him. Also, I want a little bit of a Christian commercial. Um, I do run the addictions program here at the church. If you're not familiar with that, it's called the FIT program. Um, guys, if you're here tonight, raise your hand. All the FIT guys, raise your hand. Look around the auditorium. Now, these guys... Um, are a lot of the guys behind the scenes. When you see the tent going up, when you see the lawns being mowed, when you see the, the uh, school being set up, things like that, the fit guys are always there. And, all, and, and they, they love helping out and, and they love you guys. And I appreciate you loving on them. And for especially for those of you that donate to the ministry, I appreciate that very much. I don't know who it is. Uh, Brother Lynch does not tell me who donates, and I just appreciate that. Left hand is not supposed to know what the right hand is doing, so we're good with that. But also appreciate the, those of you that bring uh, meals on Tuesday nights to the guys. They really appreciate that. So I just thought I'd give a little bit of a, 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 bit of a promotion for uh, to promote the ministry there. I've got some really, really good guys down there right now, good spirit. Uh, they love the Lord. They want to move on in their lives and do right. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, seeing God change people's lives is a real blessing. Amen. Amen. All right, tonight, we're, we've been talking about, has he got me up yet? Yeah. We've been talking a lot. The pastor's been talking a lot about doctrines and so forth. We talked about the doctrine of the rapture of the church. Uh, talked a lot about that. We've been through the players on that time frame, who's going to be part of the event. And we've looked at the time frame in which that'll take place. I had an interesting question asked to me this, tonight before church. Someone asked me, if somebody takes the mark of the beast, will there be, can they still get saved? You, know, you can chew on that for a few. Let me just throw something out, though, real quick. And it's just because he asked me that question, it's been on my heart. The Bible teaches that of this side of the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church hasn't happened yet. This side of the rapture of the church, if you, you need to make your decision. Because after the rapture of the church, if you've made a decision to reject Christ, you don't get a second chance. Right. Uh, Tim LaHaye is not right about that. Those guys that wrote those books, what's the name of those books? Left Behind, Left Behind series. Uh, that, that's very misleading. Scripture teaches that there's no, no second choices. So now's the time to make that choice. Amen. And of course, there's only one right choice, amen? Yes. And choose Christ. But well, we've talked about the rapture of the church and that time frame. We've investigated on a detailed level the players of the Great Tribulation. And, uh, see, and we've looked a lot about what's, what's going to be happening on the earth. Uh, once the restraining mystery of the Holy Spirit has been lifted and God sets the stage for the chastisement of the nation of Israel. And that's what the whole tribulation is all about because of their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've learned a lot about uh, what's going on and what's going to happen during and after the tribulation here. But tonight I want to look a little more at what's going on in heaven at the same time. There's two very important and very significant events that will take place during, the, during what, is, uh, what is referred to as the seventh, 70th year of Daniel or the, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, the Great Tribulation. There's two things that are going to be happening in heaven during that time frame. And these two events, of course, are, are, will be a church event. The church will be, ta- you and I, will, if you're, if you're saved tonight, you'll be taking part in those events. The Bema seat, and then next week we're going to look at the marriage supper, excuse me, the marriage of the Lamb. And if we have time, we'll look at the marriage supper. But uh, let's look tonight at the judgment seat of Christ called the Bema seat. Before we do that, let's go to our Lord and ask him to help. Father in heaven, I come before your throne once again, Lord, and just offer myself as a vessel and honor. I pray, Father, that you stir up the gift within me. Use me as a vessel tonight, Father. I pray you would just uh, bless the word of God. May it reach the hearts of men. Father, may you move us and shake us and, and guide us and direct us in all that we need to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the Word of God and for the truth that we find in there and for the things that, uh, that we see that are just absolutely amazing, Father. We just thank you so much for them. We'd ask now that you just, God, go ahead now. May the Holy Spirit of God take over and do the teaching and preaching. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to get a drink of, drink of Coke. <laughs> it just happened to be laying there, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we read this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul, in that passage, correct 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's speaking about the new glorified body and uh, his personal desire to be with the Lord. And he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, I'm just going to read that, that won't be on the screen. For we know that if this earthly body, excuse me, this <laughs> earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that glorified body. Um, This old old body here after 45 years of tile is getting a little worn out. So I'm looking forward to that, and I bet you are too. Romans chapter 14 and verse 10 says this, Well, why dost thou judge thy brother, or dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, just to fit, guys, what's the operative word in those verses? All. Amen? Nobody's going to be left out of this if you're part of the church, okay? One of these days, you're going to be here. So you might want to know a little more about it. Amen? So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 3, chapter 3, and verse 9 through 15. And it says this, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For no other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If a man's work abide, he, uh, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, so as by fire. Now that's a verse that has has confounded a lot of preachers over a long time period of time. Hopefully tonight you'll get a little handle on that as we go along here. This is, by the way, this event that we're talking about tonight, the bema seat, and we haven't gotten into quite what that means yet, but we will. Uh, It's an exclusively Christian or church event. There'll be no lost people at this event. Amen. So that brings us now tonight to the meaning of the judgment seat. Let's look at that a minute. There's two different words in Scripture that are translated judgment seat. The first is the word criterion, and I bet you can get, guess what our word we get from that, criteria, amen? This word is used by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, and there he told the saints that they had all the criterion, or criteria, needed to make judgment, judgment calls. Uh, he told them to not to avoid going to the world's law system, because you should know through the Word of God and have enough wisdom through the Word of God to be able to judge between yourselves right and wrong. Amen? And uh, that's what blows my mind, by the way. It blows my mind that society has such a hard time figuring out what right and wrong is. That just I don't quite get that. Uh, my mind doesn't, won't wrap around that. But this idea of this word, um, it means uh, to the, in- the instrument or the means of trying or judging something. This phrase also has the idea of a place where judgment is given out. Now, James chapter 2 and verse 6, that should be coming up directly. But you have despised the poor. Do do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? And, of course, James is talking about going before the world. And they they judge us from judgment seats. And we'll get to that in just a second. As I say, you'll tie all this together in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Again, Paul is scolding the church for taking each other to the courts of, this, of, the, of the world, when we, in fact, ought to be able to go to the Word of God through the wisdom of the Word of God and judge what's right and wrong. And folks, the bottom line is you should be willing to compromise. You should be willing to come to center on the Word of God. My wife and I have built a marriage on that. You know, because we are total opposites, and we disagree a lot, but we found out that if we just go to where the Bible says, I need, I need to move that far over, right? Because, you know, she's usually she's usually over here, and I'm way over here, right? So I just know that the Bible's where to come to, amen? But that's really the truth of the matter in the church. we have If we have an, any kind of an issue in the church, we ought to be willing to go to the Word of God and let it make the decision, let it make the compromise, and then whoever's whoever's in the wrong needs to move over that far, Amen. And Paul's telling these Corinthians, quit taking your your affairs to the world. The world doesn't have any any discernment. They don't have any any way to to discern what needs to be done. But Paul's saying here, you you should be able to judge the smallest of matters. Thus it's where the judgment is metered out. This is the idea here. This word has the idea, where the judgment is metered out. The second word for judgment seat is bima. And that word means a raised platform, an official seat of the judge. It's a structure, kind of like a throne. And uh, in the Greek word, uh, we get the idea of the word bench. Uh, you can, you can, you can uh, visualize Perry... How many of you can remember Perry Mason and Mr. Berger, right? The bench is where Perry Mason took, took Mr. Berger up and roasted him, right? Roasted the burger. Never mind. <laughs> we'll get that in a minute. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's where we get the idea is the bench. And we call it sometimes. It's called the bench. Now, this is where the, the uh, judge would meter out, if you will, the judgment that was, that was appropriate. In the Grecian games, and of course, Paul was in Corinth for quite a while, 18 months, and he was quite familiar with the Grecian games, and he makes reference to, met reference to them quite a few times in his writings. Uh, he was familiar with that raised pr- platform where the umpire uh, or a judge would, would hand out the rewards and officiate the games. Uh, it was called the bima, and it was never a place of judicial judgment, now, understand this. Don't miss this tonight. The Bema Seat is not a place of judicial judgment. Can you tell me why? Well, let me, tell you, let me ask it a different way. What would be present at the Bema Seat if it was a judicial judgment? Sin. Yeah, sin would be there. But see, there won't be sin here because you, if you're saved tonight, you've been forgiven of your sin. <laughs> totally, 100%. Your, your slate's been cleaned and the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to your slate. So when you reach this judgment seat, your sin won't be the question. It won't be what, what you're going to be judged for. So, um, so But rather there'll be, and rather than uh, things uh, like of wrath associated with this word, Bema, the ideas that are associated with this word is dignity and honor and reward and associated with this one, with this judgment. There are going to be some are going to go up and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some that are going to go up and be prostrate before the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe all of us are going to be prostrate. That's my personal opinion. I believe once we recognize the grace it took for God, a very God, to humble himself to become a part of his own creation, and then humble himself even to be let the, his creation destroy him, I think once we, that hits us, for all, for all it's worth, I think we're going to go straight to our face before the Lord. I don't think there's any question of that. But you know what? The beam of some people are going to walk away, well, they're going to walk away happy. They're going to walk away with those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, after they've given back the crowns that they've been given uh, back to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I fear—I I dare say there's going to be some people standing there, they're going to be empty-handed. And to me, that's very sad. With all that we've talked about, of course, not everybody in here has been in my, in my Sunday school class, but we've been studying through Ephesians and studying through all the promises that God has given us, the inheritance and all that, the amazing things that God has done for us, and yet some of us are going to stand there empty-handed before Lord Jesus Christ and, and, say, and just you're going to have to, all you're going to do is cry. You're going to be, there's going to be sorrow at that point because you're going to realize what you could have done. And that's, that's a sad thing to me. This is the word that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul chose to describe the place with an event where we, that we are supposed to be looking forward to. At least I surely hope that that's the case for your life tonight, that you're looking forward to or loving his appearing, as the Bible says, amen? Um, and, and it's the place where, where uh, the degrees of reward and loss are going to be handed out. But, you know, don't, don't miss this. This, the idea of the degrees depends totally on you. The, the, the amount of, of reward or the amount of loss depends totally on you and me. It's, it's in our hands, what we do with what God does for us. And we'll discuss Well, I'll talk about that in a second. The Son of God will judge. The Bible says that all judgment's been given to the Son. And He's going to judge if our gifts. We've been talking about the gifts at the ranch, going through all the different gifts. We haven't quite gone through the whole study yet, but we recognize that there's different things that God has given man. He's given him talents. Some people stood up here a few minutes ago, and they're talented people, very talented, right? But you know, those talents aren't a spiritual gift. Those are a spiritual grace. A spiritual gift is a supernatural gift that's given to someone to go beyond what their natural ability is. But God has given the church gifts, pastors, teachers, things like that, And 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 in those gifts and in those talents, he's also given us wisdom. Bible teaches in Ephesians, He's given us wisdom and prudence, His wisdom, His prudence. He's given us those things so that we have a moral and an ethical compass to live our lives, to guide us and direct us through this life. He's given us some wonderful things, but those are the things we're gonna be we're gonna be judged on. What we've done with those things. The wonderful grace of God that he's given you, the mercy he's given you, the nature of God that indwells you by the Holy Spirit, that gives you the actual God's ability to love somebody else beyond what your ability to love somebody else is. You know, there's people out there that we just can't love. They're just not lovely. They're just not those kind of people. But God gives us the ability to go way beyond ourselves and love those people and care for those people. Amen? That's God's, God's love through us. He's given us all those things, but he's going to judge us on what we've done with that. What we've done with the talents that we have. You might have a talent tonight for, for finances. You might just be a financial whiz. What have you done with it? To, 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 serve, to serve God and to uh, further his purpose. You might have the gift of, of helps. The gift of just always being there for folks and just always being a blessing to them. What have you done with that? Uh, you know, Whatever your gifts or whatever your talents are, you might want to consider that one of these days you're going to stand before a holy God and you're going to give an account for what you did with what he gave you. Now, if, there are, if, the, if those things that you did were wood, hay, and stubble, in other words, all the talents that you had, all the efforts that you had, all, all the blessings that God gave you, you used them to acquire the trinkets of this world, stuff that's going to burn at the recreation, amen, they're just going to burn up everything. Everything that's not, a, not go, every, the only thing that's going to last is what? The souls of men, amen? That's the gold, gold silver, and precious stones. All, those are the only things that are going to last for eternity, That that, that boat that you've been trying to get and yeah, Yeah, you know, whatever it is for you, you know, if it's it's a boat, if it's a house, if it's a car, it doesn't matter. If your priorities are in that, your priorities are in the wrong place. Now, there is nothing wrong with having a beautiful boat, amen? (laughs) There's nothing wrong with having a nice house, not a thing wrong with that, nothing wrong with driving a new car, but what are you using it for? You know, my wife and I have found a couple of times in our lives when we needed a new car, our priorities were actually wrapped up in something else when the new car came. It was uh, wrapped up in taking teenagers to these teen route, teen teen uh, uh, things over at, at west coast and uh, and over here at Trevers Church. Uh, we needed something to take the kids to those, those what, what, uh, Conference, yeah. I couldn't think of the word. Conferences, yeah. And, and those are great, by the way. If you've never been to one, you need to go to one of those. And the 4,000 teenagers singing the praises of God, if that will make you fired up your woods wet. But, uh, you know, God would bring in, <clears throat> twice he brought into our lives a brand new van so we could take kids to the, to the, to the conferences and stuff and to run people to church and and all that. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Now, whatever you have, use it to serve God. Amen. Amen. To me, uh, uh, this makes perfect sense. Though this whole idea of of uh, of, uh, of the of the beam of seed makes perfect sense to me. And uh, in, in 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 light of all the promises that uh, that we've been been given, and the fact that sin's not going to be part of the of the judgment. However, and that's you guys know what happens when. However comes into the program here. First Corinthians chapter three and verse fifteen says, "If any man's work sh- work shall be burned, now I want you to don't miss this. He shall suffer loss." But he himself shall be saved so as by fire. There's that verse that people struggle over, and now you know what the context is. Amen. First Peter 4:18 says, "And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appeal appear? I believe that the bema seat there's going to be reward and there's going to be loss. And I think it's going to be great loss. I think it's going to be a profound loss, standing before a holy God and recognizing what we could have done all that time that we wasted. And all that, all that stuff that we had that we could have used for, God, for the further God's purpose on this earth, all those people that we blew off and didn't witness to because we were too busy or we didn't feel like we were, we were uh, theologically uh, uh, had enough theological prowess to be able to handle their questions or whatever. I have a man stuck in my mind, and I'm going to have for the rest of my life that I did a tile job for this guy one one time. I was doing a five foot tub for him, and the first day he came in, he was talking to me. He was real nice, and we got to. And the Holy Spirit told me you need to witness this guy. I thought, well, I'll come do it the second day because I don't have as much work the second day and I've got a little more time. Guy died overnight. And his mind, his, his face is, is etched in my mind for the rest of my days. Amen? That's a lost opportunity. And I, I know I'm going to pay a price for that. Amen? And, and um, all I'm saying is we need to pay attention There's going because there's going to be some suffering loss if we're not careful. Now, sin may not be the subject of the judgment, but there's still going to be an aspect of judgment and reward or joy and sorrow there. Some will find a joy, this a joyous event. Others won't. Oh, that they'll be, uh, they'll be saved. The Bible says here they're saved, so as by fire, snatched out of the flames of hell. But they're going to have few rewards coming at the Bema. There are going to be some people that are going to go off with a wheel, wheelbarrow full of crowns. Amen? Praise the Lord for those kinds of people. Amen? You know, the, the, the old adage was that 10% of the work in, of the, of the, uh, the church does, does 100% of the work or 90% of the work or something like that. You know what? I am so thankful, and this is just another little Christian commercial. I am really so thankful for being part of this church. Because that's not the case here. I'm amazed at this church. I really, I've been in a, quite a few churches and I know what I'm saying. I'm amazed at this church, at the, at the willingness of you folks to get in there and, and pitch together and work together. What a, what a, what a fantastic thing. And you realize what, uh, I, and I, I'm sorry, I keep doing these rabbit trails. I'm probably gonna go all night. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I got lots of time, I see the clock. <laughs> um, you know, this, uh, the, I, uh, this heart attack with Brother ben, Lynn, uh, and this, this uh, coronavirus thing and all these very negative things that have happened to our church. You know what that's done? I bet you I can go through this crowd and ask anybody what's on their mind. If, and I bet I can name what's on their mind in about three guesses. What that's done is that's unified our thinking. You realize how powerful that is? That's extremely powerful. When the whole church gets on the same page for something and prays about the same thing and works toward the same goal, that's a powerful thing. I saw, we, we saw this in my first church when my first son had a major surgery at three months old. And that whole church was praying for that kid and, and, and had, you know, it was all unified. And we saw, we saw uh, uh, visitors every Sunday morning, people getting saved. And it was, the church was powerful at that point. Let's don't let this slide. You know, God's not, he's not, he's not uh, blindsided by any of this stuff. He's put this here. You read through the, through the book of Acts and you'll find that the church was most powerful when it was persecuted. You read through the first book of Thessalonians and see what happened to the Thessalonians and they were being persecuted. And they literally turned their region upside down. Some little bitty church in a little bitty town called Thessalonica. And they flipped that, that whole region upside down with their doctrine. Why? Because when you get persecuted, you get on board, you get on board, you get busy. Amen. Let's, let's, let's don't let the, the, the lethargicness and the apathy of, of uh, wealth and, and good economy and stuff slow us down and make us, make us forget what we need to be doing. Amen? Because one of these days, we're going to stand before holy God and give an account for that. So let's, uh, let's move on here. So like I said, the, there's going to be some joy and there's going to be some sorrows. Some are going to find us a joyous event, others won't. Well, let's look at tonight now a little bit at the time of the Bema. Time of the Beavis, when will it, will it take place? Well, there's several considerations that support the teaching that the Beavis will take place immediately following the translation of the church or the rapture of the, of the saints. Luke chapter 14, verse 14 says this, And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. The they there is talking about the poor. Uh, he was telling, Jesus was telling them not to not to go out and, and hobnob around with their friends and the rich people and stuff, but to go out and find other folks, the folks that couldn't necessarily come back and, and pat them on the back and so forth. He says, they can't recompense you, they don't have the ability. But you'll get your reward where? the resurrection of the just. Well, that's great news, right? This verse says that the wards for the saints are going to be associated with the souls of men at the resurrection. But who's the just in this verse? Acts chapter 24. Verse 14 through 15 says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way in which they call heresy, of course, this is talking about the Jews and talking about Christians who are teaching heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and the Prophets." and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be at the resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust. So believers are going to be the just, amen? When there's, if there's going to be unjust and just, obviously the believers are the just. Reading over in First Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen to seventeen, we see that the resurrection is an integral part of the translation of the church. Thus, reward must be part of that program as well. In Revelation nineteen, it's seen seen that the bride or the spotless church is already rewarded. Revelation nineteen, verses seven through eight, says this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife had made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The bride will return to earth with Christ at the, at the second coming. The bride's coming back with earth to the earth. And what, what, what condition is she coming back? Rewarded, amen? She's going to come back rewarded. Second Thessalonians 3.13 says, to the end that he may establish your heart's Unblameable in the holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all these saints. So the bema when we're going to come, we're going to be res, we're going to be rewarded at, our, at the second coming, at the, coming back with Him. So when Jesus returns, the bema is going to have already taken place. Now notice Revelation chapter nineteen and verse eight says this: the righteousness of the saints. It's plural, and that's, so it can't be the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's the believer's individual righteousness. Rather, this is the collective righteousness, which has survived the examination that has come at the Bema Seat. Uh, the examination, be- and, 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 the, and that has become the basis for the reward and what is termed the crowns in the scriptures. So we see that we're going to come back rewarded. The Bema Seat is going to take place sometime between the rapture of the church, and next week we're going to find out it takes place between the rapture of the church and the marriage of the Lamb. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but in all to them that love His appearing. So the question then comes, uh, when, so when does the BMC take place? Well, notice that the rewards of the crowns are associated with what Paul calls here that day. Now, if, if you were part of my, my prophecy series before, um, that's a reference to the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is actually, a, a, it's like saying every dog has his day, well, Christ is going to have his day, amen? The first time he came, he came in mercy and grace. Second time he comes, he's not coming in mercy and grace. He's coming in judgment. He's king of kings, Lord of lords, amen? He's going to have his day, and that runs from the rapture of the church all the way to the end of the millennium. That's the, day, the time period we're talking about. We read here as well that when the saints return with Christ at the second coming, he's going to be at, at, he will at that point uh, uh, be bringing his rewarded bride with him. Next week, we're going to look at the marriage of the Lamb, so we'll look at that next time. But, uh, so we conclude that the Bema Seat must, be, must take place between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Well, that brings us to where will the Bema Seat happen? 1 Thessalonians four seventeen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Very familiar voice. We, we've quoted that. We've heard it a lot of times. Amen. But here we're told that we'll be caught up in the air in the clouds so I believe it's safe to say this event's going to take place in the heavens. Amen? Now, like, this is just a Bible study tonight, so, you know, hang on. <laughs> Stay with me, okay? And, it, uh, and we, So we've concluded it's going to take place in the air, and it's going to take place before the marriage. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5 says this, For we know that if our earthly house of tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. For in this we grow and earnestly desire to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that, being clothed, we shall be not be found naked, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath brought us for the self same thing is God, who also hath given to us etern- the earnest of the Spirit. That passage tells us that we are, as his bride, going to be clothed upon. Uh, if you'll remember the parable of the, of the guest in the uh, wedding that didn't have the right garment, now, the, those that are going to be clothed upon are going to be clothed upon with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So you will be given a brand new dwelling place, a new house is not made with hands. What's that talking about? That's talking about getting rid of this old tent, amen? And we're going to be getting, we're going to be getting given a mansion, amen? That glorified body next to this body is going to be a, like a mansion next to a tent, amen? <laughs> amen. So we're told that we, that we will be absent from this earthly body. We're going to be present with the Lord. Elsewhere, we're also told that we're going to be as he is. And of course, in the scriptures, we read in John chapter 3, and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Or we shall be as he is. That's the glorified state. And of course, you can read about that as he appeared in the upper room and some of the things you can read about what his glorified state was like. Since the Lord is at, at, at the right hand of the Father, that must be where this judgment is going to take place. So who's going to be judged? Well, we talked about this a little bit already, but we've already seen in Second Corinthians 5.10, Romans 14.10, that judgment has been committed to the hands of, of the Son. John 5.22, the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment under the Son. And uh, had, the Jews rejected, uh, uh, had the Jews that did reject Jesus Christ believed that, I'm sure that would have changed the way they acted, wouldn't you think? Interesting, remember I said there was two words for judgment seat. The first, the instrument or rule of judgment. The second, the official place of judgment. And fits, Christ fits both those things. He is the word of God, John chapter 1, verse 1. The word is the instrument or by which we will be judged, John 12, 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. Psalms 12, uh, 119, verse uh, 160 says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endure forever. I wonder if the seed of learning is enduring right now. Amen? Anybody get that? Nobody got that. Okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Proverbs thirteen thirteen: Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Jesus Christ fits the judgment, uh, going to be the, the instrument of judgment. He is the word of God. Isaiah forty and uh, verse eight says the grass withereth the flower of faith, but the word of God <clears throat> pardon me standeth forever. Secondly, Christ is the official judge in the in the designated place of judgment. Revelation four eleven says Thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure are they were uh, are uh, they were are and were created. He fits, he fits the bill if you will to be the righteous judge. He's the, he's the second person of the Godhead, the first cause, the uh, eternal self-existent one being the origination of justice and judgment. Amen? So he's going to be, he will in fact be uh, qualified in all, uh, in all aspects to judge us. Yeah, I might, you might say, well, pastor, you're not, you're not qualified to judge me. I'm not the one that judges you. Paul says, that I, I, I'm, it's, not, it's a small thing that you judge me because I'm not even worthy of judging myself. There's only one that's worthy of being a judge, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Revelation 21, 5 through 6 says, And he that spat, uh, sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that athirst a fountain of water of life freely. Amen. The place of judgment, the place of power is the throne. Amen. So, what about the people of the Bema? For just briefly, I want you to just look at a couple of things. Number one, verse one, we see the word we, it's used twice. And and the word our is used once. Verse two of the word we and the word our. Verse three, the word we. Verse four, the word we used twice. Verse five, us, and the phrase, the earnest of the spirit. Verse 10, for we all must appeal before the judgment seat of Christ. So there's only one group that this fits. Who is that? The church, you and me, amen? Now folks, we're talking about you and me. And let me ask you another thing. How well do you get along with the guy sitting next to you? You're going to spend eternity with that person. Do you realize that? We are going to spend an eternity with each other. Don't you think it's time we get along? Might want to start practicing getting along. Amen? Amen? This is talking about us, guys. This is talking about what we're looking forward to. Amen? So let's look for real quick. We're almost done tonight. Let's look at the basis for judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear... Before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, once again, this excludes the idea of sin because there's no such thing as good sin. Amen? So, it, and uh, uh, it's exclusively bad. It's so bad that God says he'll never bring it up again. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 17 says, And there are sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. Let me ask you a question Does God remember sin? Of course he does. He remembers everything. What's that talking about? Never going to be brought up again. You know, maybe we ought to take a page out of God's book with some of those people that maybe we hold a grudge with. Amen? He said, I'll never bring your sin up again. I'll never bring it up before your face and make you, make you face that again. Amen? Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I praise the Lord for that. I would, You know, yeah, I do. I praise the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. Contrary to what many churches teach, that one can lose their position of salvation, God chooses not to reapply the penalty for sin after the blood of His Son has been applied to the sinner's account. Amen? It's just that simple. You know, the Bible's really simple. Um, all this hubbub and all these voices out there, all you've got to do is go back to the book and read. All they've got to do is read their Bible and read it in context, and it'll explain all this stuff. I could really, I could, I really get off on that right now, but I'll, I'll leave it alone. But the point is, God chooses not to reapply the blood. Why? Because what would that make Christ's sacrifice? Insufficient. Amen? The Bible says in Hebrews, you literally will be taking him down off the cross and trodden him under your feet. That's pretty strong language. Amen? In order to understand this, we need to understand the word Paul uses here is translated good or bad. It's not the word for moral or ethical evil. It's the word used for something worthless or good for nothing. Now, that really makes me squirm a little bit. Doesn't it make you... It fits perfectly in the idea of rewards and holding back of rewards. It's the judgment or evaluation of our faithfulness to the serfs of God. I don't know about you, but I, I've always tried to be faithful, but I know I've dropped the ball. And I know there's times when I, when I, uh, you know, I really didn't want to go to church. And my wife would wake me up and say, you've got to go, you're the pastor. <laughs> oh, Okay. But, you know, there's times when, when I just, you know, I just don't, wanna, I don't want to do what I know I need to do. And I don't want to do what I know I can do. Amen? I just, uh, I, I get in that flesh and I start evaluating the whole thing. And uh, we need to recognize that one of these days we're going to stand there and give an account for our faithfulness. And faithfulness doesn't just, just and we're not t- talking about just tangible things you can get your hands on. not just talking about, you know, our cup, uh, vacuuming the carpet and things like that. That's faithfulness, too but faithfulness in your mind and your thinking processes. The Bible says to cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, you want to want to chew on that a little bit. The knowledge of God. Anything that exalts itself against this book, this is the knowledge of God. And there are many things that we think in our mind, and we get, we get stuck in our head that we justify before a holy God, which is not, it, it isn't what God's Word teaches. Amen? If you really want God's blessing in your life, you need to be faithful to keep your mind under control and, and follow what the book says. It's really, it's not that easy. I realize it's a fight in this world, but it's worth it. It's worth every, every minute of it. So it's going to be, this judgment seat, this beam of seat is going to be the judgment and our evaluation of our faithfulness to the, and our service to the Lord. So one good question that you might want to ask yourself tonight, Em, am I truly loving his appearing? Do I really want to see him come back? Or was it, well, am I hoping he's going to hold off for a little while while I do this or do that? Or go here or go there? Or marry this or marry who, there, Marry this? Girl. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You, you guys know what I'm saying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we really need to ask ourselves, do we really care about God's return? Uh, we should be loving his return. That means we should be looking forward to it. Not to the point where we dress up in white robes and go sit on top of a hilltop and sell everything. Go sit up on top of a hilltop like some of the Thessalonians were doing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about getting up in the morning, giving him a praise for another day to serve him. I'm talking about getting up in the morning and just saying, Lord, whatever you can use me, however you can use me, I just want to be a vessel and honor. Just use me in any way you can. And I'm willing and open to whatever you you shoot in my direction. Amen? That's being faithful. I'm looking forward to hearing those words well done. I don't know about you. Does the idea of the beam of seed excite you tonight? Does it inspire you? Or does it make you kind of cringe and make you a little uneasy? That's something you'll have to answer yourself. Pastor?